Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Okay, good morning. Uh, before I get into today's message, I just wanted to give a plug for next week. So um, a, a mentor of mine, a friend of mine that pastors a church uh, in Greensboro has written a book that is coming out in like three weeks called uh, Redefined. Uh, and it's all about the Beatitudes and how, you know, basically a lot of things that we've been talking about here lately, you know, who are we going to let define who we are and how we live and what we do and how we think. Um, and we're going to spend eight weeks going through every all the Beatitudes starting next Sunday. Um, when the books come out, they'll be available. We'll have some here or you can order them on Amazon. Um, I got a, a pre, pre-read of it and it's it's great. So I'm super excited about our series that's going to start uh, next week. So now we are today here uh, for what I got. Are you? You ready? You ready? Okay. So this morning I'm ending my lessons to learn. I've not called it that until right now. Um, lessons to learn from my sabbatical. And that's basically over the last five weeks that I've preached here at Reach since I've been back. I've just taught on things that I felt like God uh, made me aware of during my sabbatical. Things that um, God's like, hey, you, you, you might need to think about this a little bit more. You might need to do this a little bit more. And, and this is our last one. And notice that I said lessons to learn instead of lessons learned. I think too many of us live in this lessons learned category and we don't really learn the lesson. Instead of being in all the things that we've talked about over the last five weeks um, is... Things that you're going to have to work on as a believer, as a follower of Jesus for the rest of your days. Until you take your last breath and enter into glory, into his presence, and no longer are bound by this world and its issues. So let's review. Uh, If you missed, and all these are online so you can listen to or watch them. Um, So the first of... August, we talked about this idea of poor in spirit, which we're going to redo next week, uh, a little different than that one, but this idea of living in a humble need of Jesus always, which is something we're in. Uh, on the 22nd, we talked about God sifting us, God using things in our life, hard things to shape us and mold us and transform us into the people that he desires and we desire to be. On the 29th, um, centered around our identity in Christ and the yoke that he invites us to. And last week, we talked about how Jesus modeled for us the idea of others first. Today will be no less challenging for you or me. Let me just confess. Today, we're going to talk about rest. Which I bet no one does well. I can only think and um, uh, rationalize through a male brain's perspective. But most men, and I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm not talking about like not doing anything and sitting on the couch all day. I'm talking about rest, which we're going to define and, and deal with today. In, but we, we don't do it well. We are a nation of busybodies. Even when we aren't getting anything done, we're busy. Doing nothing. And it drives us crazy. I mean, the mental health 
of our nation is probably at the all-time worst. And all we do is do one more thing to distract us so we don't deal with what's going on. And so today we're going to talk about rest. So when was the last time you rested on purpose? Like decided. Not like I'm so exhausted that I had to take a nap. But like literally decided, hey, I'm, I'm just going to rest. I'm going to, I'm going to take some time, some mental health time. I'm just going to rest and, 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 and turn off all the distractions Here's another question for you. Is rest built into your week, which is the primary purpose of today's message? And I'm intentionally using a word that I'm going to change in just a second. It'll make a little bit more sense. But here's the one thing that I want you to hear. Resting in the Lord equals trusting the Lord. Resting in Jesus, and we're going to talk about This very clearly is the idea of trusting Jesus. Because, as I just said, you're going to be working on you for the rest of your life. So you're not done. And there's always things that you could be doing, but resting intentionally in the Lord is what is necessary for us to move forward. We... um, Before we planned this church, maybe even before we had... um, Felt that it was Leland that we were going to move to. I had a guy give me a word and uh, we were at a, a gathering of pastors and he came and set me down on a chair and he put another chair in front of me and he made me put my feet on it. And he, he told me this and it's, it's kind of hit me and it's really what today is about. He said, if you don't learn to enter into the Sabbath rest, you will not finish the things that God has called you to. And let me just tell you. I didn't know a whole lot about Sabbath rest, and I'm still not an expert on the Sabbath, and I'll I'll clarify that in a second. But I I did some research, and today's message is going to come out of this idea of what does that rest look like? What does it do? But before we get into that, before we get into the Word, let's pray, because our hearts want to be busy, because busyness distracts us from the things that God wants to deal with. And resting and being still allows him to speak. It allows him to have moments with us that we can enjoy his presence. So it will move us into a better mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. So let's pray. Jesus, you are our rest. We can rest. We can pause We can trust because you have proven yourself to be trustworthy. You have proven yourself to be worthy for the work that you've completed for us to sit and rest in that finished and completed work. So as we look at Sabbath rest, as we read through your text, Lord, I pray that all the mental arguments that we're going to have about I don't have time and this and that, Lord, I pray that you would weed through those And at the end of your message that you've put in me today, Lord, that you would have us deciding intentionally to make rest part of our week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God, your designer, has a lot to say about the Sabbath rest. He couched it in a word that New Testament believers avoid, mostly because of lack of understanding. The Sabbath. 
The Hebrew words that are used in the Old Testament to refer to rest are, and I, I am not a Hebrew scholar, and so like just pre-warn you, probably not going to pronounce these two words correctly. Um, uh, in, in two words, sabbat, uh, which is where we get Sabbath from, uh, and its meaning is literally to stop work, stop working. To you know, it, the, in our imagery, when you get off work and you hit that, you punch in to go out, you're stopping the day's work. And then the other one that is used a lot in the Old Testament is actually the word that is used um, in reference to Adam and Eve resting in their first day of life. Um, and this one, I'm really, it's N-U-A-K-H. And I actually went on several different, trying to listen. Um, so, nuach, with an H at the end. And its meaning is to dwell or settle, which is what we're talking about. I'm not talking about settling for, you know, the dessert you didn't want, but it's the only one they have left. I mean, settling, being settled. Today, we're going to talk about rest as it is related to the fourth commandment. Oh, talk about commandments now, people. Watch out. Today's message isn't, this is my disclaimer, isn't a full study of the Sabbath, but you're welcome to deep dive. There's great resources. There's great things. I, uh, I just uh, worked, uh, read on a book this week called Sabbath as Resistance. Um, this this idea that we can say no to the busyness of our life by choosing to, to rest in God. Uh, but there's lots of resources. Um, the Bible Project has great stuff on um, Sabbath. And there's, I mean, if you just type it in, it's great. There's so much stuff. And I'm not here to command you to do one thing or another. I'm not here to tell you that you need to take this one specific day. I, 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 that's not what I'm here to do. My, my, my encouragement to you today is to look at what God has called us to and believe that he has something for us in it. That's it. That's all. <clears throat> So today I want to talk more about the reasons for Sabbath rest and encourage you to carve out some Sabbath rest time in your week. So Genesis, can't really talk about Sabbath without talking about the beginning. Genesis um, chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. um, God just finished doing all creation, and he's entering into something that no one knows about. Because there wasn't, this was the first real day of rest. And it says in verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Okay, hear, hear this. It's a question for you. Did God rest because he was tired? No. He did not. God did not rest because he was exhausted. That's what I'm talking I'm not talking about today you're, you're so exhausted that you've, you're forced into a rest. God chose to rest. And, and here's what I want you to hear. And I think what we'll see through the rest of what I want to talk about today is God rested. And this is why we can rest. Because the work was done. 
Okay? Believers, believing in the finished work of Jesus, we can rest now even though we're not done, even though there's things to be accomplished, even though there's, there's money to be made and all these other things because we can trust in the finished work of Jesus, which we're going we're gonna to look at in Hebrews 4, which you can, that whole chapter is a great chapter just to read. We're not going to verse by verse it, but Hebrews 4 later, which we're going to finish with some thoughts out of that. And you know what? Uh, we humans were created on day six. The first thing that we experienced was rest. I mean, literally, we had done we had done nothing. I mean, I I don't know about you, but like I think you know, like how were there? I mean, they weren't like babies that grew up. They were fully formed adults. Like so, <laughs> I imagine them standing there, like you know, they had no thoughts in their head before. There's no history. There's there's nothing, and and God's telling them they weren't exhausted either. He's he's inviting in. To his rest. And I truly believe that from that moment, God has been inviting us into his rest. Over and over and over again. So now we're going to push forward to Exodus 20. The people of God have been, they've been chosen. (laughs) They've been separated They've been now imprisoned in Egypt as slave for slaves for hundreds of years. And the powerful hand of God is going to rescue them from the tyranny of busyness. Of slavery. I mean, because there was no days off. There was no, you know, light work days. There were no holidays. There were no benefits. There was work and production. And that's all life was about. And so God rescues them from this oppressor. Said in God in verse one, chapter twenty of Exodus, and God spoke these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The people of God have had hundreds of years to work and toil with no rest. Period. He freed them from slavery from oppression, from the busyness. And he's going to spend a long time trying to stamp in their DNA to rest. They were under a taskmaster that was never satisfied with the work accomplished. Sound familiar? Don't raise your hands. Pre-warning. How many of you in this room are satisfied with what you have? Satisfied with what you own. Satisfied with the job that you're in. And could settle into it and be like, I'm happy forever. I I would say I could put good money that 98% of you aren't. You're not happy. You're thinking, if I work a little bit harder, my boss will notice me, I'll get a little bit better job, I have a little bit more And the older you get, for those that haven't got this reality yet, the more you realize that the things that you dreamed of when you were 25 or 20, I mean, because I remember, remember we got married. We lived in a one-room efficiency. We had two beater cars. I mean, and I'm in. No, no. I mean, 
Manual transmissions, vinyl everywhere, roll-up doors, and they were in the 80s. These were 80s cars, and we were in the late 90s. They ran. I mean, but we had nothing. And, and to be honest, it was probably, and I'm sure we didn't realize, it was probably the best time of our life. We had little to no responsibility. Our bills were so, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it felt like, oh, if we could just, but like, it was the best time. And the thing that I think you realize is once you accomplish those things that you thought in the 20s, if I had this, and now you have that career, and you have that money, and, and you thought back then, like, when you were making $20,000 a year, if I could make 40, oh, man, if I could make 40. And now you make 50, and you're like, if I could make 80. Freedom, people. Money. Stuff isn't going to satisfy you, isn't going to fix you. And so this, for hundreds of years, is all the people of Israel knew. All they knew is we could never stop because he, their Lord, the king, the Pharaoh, wouldn't let them. And God's getting ready to spend a long time teaching them. And so he takes them out there. And so although at the beginning God started the people of Israel, the the people of God, in rest, he's going to establish it in the fourth commandment. So Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10. This is the most words in all the Ten Commandments that were used to describe one of the commandments. It was the biggest chunk of words in there. You can go read them there. It says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and, all, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So on it you shall, do, you shall not do any work. You, your sons, your daughters, your male servants or your female servants or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. This rest was for everyone. It wasn't just for the people of Israel and then you had these other people. They would even rest their animals on that day. They, they, God was like, hey, it, it, you need to bring in this place that you're going to trust me. See, this commandment, this number four, separates the first three ups. The first three commandments are uh, our relationship with God. And then you have the Sabbath, <laughs> That's, that's right there. And then the rest of them after that are our outs. Like how we relate to those around us, how we're treating others. And I read a great commentary that's like, if we can enter into and observe and understand the fourth commandment, it makes the other ones easier to do. Why? Because if we take time to rest, settle in the Lord, he's going to deal with our coveting. How we look at other people, how we treat other people, how, how angry we get because we have a weekly reminder of who we are, of who has finished the work and who we're resting in, and he gets to deal with us. I, I found this, and I, don't, I, I should do a better job of writing where I get some of these quotes. Um, I like this one. It's talking about the fourth commandment. It is not a commandment we are bound to. It is a promise we're invited to. 
it, it, it's something. Look, here God has established this for a reason. And we're the least likely, I think Americans, because, you know, capitalism and, and go, 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 we're the least likely to rest. And so God spends 40 years with his people in Israel establishing the Sabbath rest through food. He provides manna from heaven to them six days a week. And if they try to keep it on any other days, if they store extra any other day, it rots the next day. But on the night before the Sabbath, they could and were asked to acquire, grab enough to make you through the next two days. And for 40 years, God was telling them, showing them, if you'll trust me, I'll provide. Now, if you read through there, they were not always happy with manna. They wanted, they wanted meat. They wanted slavery back because when they were slaves, they got meat. Could you imagine choosing slavery so you could get better food? It's almost like they forgot what slavery was. And for 40 years, God reminded them over and over again, and they're still not. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to listen. And you've heard this. God took them out of Egypt. But God is still taking Egypt out of us. Because we, we are the same We need to be reminded. We need to be taught over and over again, trust me. And he did it. He showed them. I mean, can you imagine? Because we whine because we don't see these things in God. We weren't in slavery hundreds of years. Freed from that slavery where we visually see the mighty hand of the Lord do things that we cannot question. We cannot like, well, you know, does God really care? Does God really? No. Splits the seas, feeds you every day. And they still, when, when Moses went up to get these first, the first Ten Commandments, when he went and he, he did them again, when he came down, he's gone for 40 days. They're like, well, that man's dead. Let's, let's go back and give me some gold, guys. Which is, which is funny. Another commentary read, what did they do? They took the measure of income, like these treasured things, and they created an idol out of it. Which is what we do with our work, with our bank account, and with our stuff. And we put it up and we worship it and we choose it over God so many times. And it robs us of life. And I love when, um, I, don't, I don't know, I have questions about Aaron. I, I just, like, and he kept him around. I mean, I feel like God can use us from anything if he kept Aaron around after He's like, okay, people, like you want, I can, I can make this golden calf and worship it. And um, I, I think, and this is a side note, this is not even in my notes. Like, when God grinds up your idol and makes you drink it, I just, I just see Moses like, drink all of it. All of it. Where's that, where's that idol at now? And they had seen the power of the living God. They had seen his miraculous hand. They had seen his deliverance. And God brought them right up to the promised land. Right up into the rest. Because for those 40 years, they were resting in something that was future. They were resting in the promised land. The thing that God was going to give them in 40 years, they just circled. Because they didn't trust God. 
So let's fast forward into the New Testament, into a people that got so legalistic that they added hundreds of more laws, hundreds of more rules, and they ruined the Sabbath. They ruined it. They robbed you. You couldn't hardly breathe on the Sabbath out of fear of getting murdered, killed. I mean, if you read the Old Testament, people went out and he's like, oh, we, I'm cold. Well, let's get some sticks and start a fire. Dead. It's in there. Google that. Man. I mean, like they were not, they didn't play around with the Sabbath. They didn't play around. And hundreds of years have come and Jesus has come to show us what God is like, who God is through his physical presence with them. And honestly, one of the reasons he ended up on the cross dead was things like this. Toying with what they established as Sabbath versus what Sabbath was meant to. So Matthew 12, um, 6 and 8. And, and for those that um, have watched The Chosen, and I'm not like, you know, like, we're not going to argue about like they're out of order. and things, but Just imagery. Imagery of this. Because what we're getting ready to talk about, these two things are in there. So uh, you can check them out. Uh, watch them. They're not scripture, so don't like get too hung up in it, but just the imagery of it. So his disciples are going through the grain fields and they're hungry and, and they, they, they grab some kernels and they're eating these things. And of course, these daggone Pharisees, they follow them around everywhere. They're watching them like hawks. And, and they challenge them. How can you do this? And, and, and Jesus quotes what David did. He quotes, he was like, were, were the priests work on the Sabbath? Were they defiling God by their work? In, in verse 6, it says, I tell you, there's something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is saying, hey, this is mine. Like You've, you've taken it and I'm going to reestablish it. I'm going to show you what it means. So he goes from there um, a couple verses later and he enters into the synagogue and it's like they're waiting. They're waiting. Verse 9, it says, and he went on from there. And he entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Not because they wanted to see a miracle, because they wanted to entrap him and prove that he wasn't a man of God. So that they might accuse him. In verse 11 it says, and he said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Verse 12, and it says, how much more valuable is man than a sheep? So is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? (laughs) Then he said to the man, I love this, love this. And he says to the man, in spite of them, (laughs) stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand and it was restored healthy like the other one in front of them. There was no like, hey, go wash in the river. And, you know, the people didn't necessarily get to see the healing, the transformation of one to the other. They're sitting in a synagogue in a room. 
and they know this man, and they see his hand restored. Just like the Egyptians, who saw, not the Egyptians, just like the people of God who saw the freedom from Egypt and still chose to not believe. They're, they're like, they're seeing this happen and their thought is murder, not worship. Fourteen, but the Pharisees went out to conspire against him how to destroy him. Children of God, followers of Jesus, if you don't learn to enter into the Sabbath rest, you cannot do what God's called you to. Until you can learn to be settled in who he, got, who he is and be reminded of it every day, every week, you're in trouble. Because you other than God, will have the power to decipher what's going on in you. Decipher what to do instead of resting and establishing him as the power. When, <clears throat> when followers of Jesus observe the Sabbath, we live as if this restoration has already taken place. We break bread from the we break from the broken rhythms of hustle and hardship to set aside a time of submission to his rule, rule and enjoyment of his presence and to extend these things to the world around us. When we observe the Sabbath well, we become little resting places of God's presence. Now, here's Hebrew 4. Found these, these are out of a commentary talking about Sabbath. And I encourage you, like I said, I'm not necessarily going through, you'll hear some of it, but Hebrews 4 is a great one. If you want to think about Sabbath, um, if you want to continue this uh, journey of kind of looking into this, Hebrews 4. According to Hebrews 4, Israel's Sabbath day always pointed forward to, far, to a far greater day. The still future day when all creation will enter fully into the rest foreshadowed and promised in Genesis 2, 2 through 3. The very first seventh day. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Hebrews 4, 9. The ultimate Sabbath rest is coming when God's people will enjoy work without toil, hearts without sin, and an earth without thorns. Yet even now, Hebrew implies we feel the first waves of the coming rest. In Christ, we have already tasted the powers of the age to come. Hebrews 6, 5. Rest included. For the author writes, we who have believed enter that rest. Hebrews 4, 3. Not will enter, but enter. Fully, later, truly, now. So here's the hard part. You can hear these and oh, that's a great idea. Like my mental health would probably be better if I, I took some time and um, 
just dedicated it to the Lord. And, and, and here's, here's what I'm not going to tell you to do. I mean, you can do this. But here's not what I'm commanding you to do. Is to pick a day of the week and, and isolate yourself and shut it down. And it, that may be the best thing that you can do. But like, I, I want to practically, I would rather you enter into something you can continue than try one week and be like, I can't do that. I'd rather you to take an hour. I'd rather you to take two hours. And what I'm going to encourage you to do is to choose one night this week. This week. That you pick a time, you know, because you've got work and you've got stuff. But choose a night that your family's going to be at home, that you lay down your phones. I know. I got streaks to keep and I got blah, blah, blah. But you lay down your phones, you cut off your TV, and you spend some dedicated two to three hours, just time, together, intentionally, have a little bit of spiritual stuff, maybe play some worship music, maybe just intentionally say, God, confess the busyness of what's happened so far, and proclaim a trust in Him, in spite of what still needs to happen in you and in your home and in your finances and all these other things. But take a break for just a few hours. Enjoy each other. And proclaim the future promised rest that God's going to let us fully enter into in one day. But we can truly enter into it right now. And so that's what I'm going to ask you. Right, that's that's what if you if you want to do something for me this week, really it's for you. But if it helps you do it, it's for me. Um, to decide so to, when you get home today, decide what day that is. Don't think yes, we'll do it this week. Decide, pick a day. Um, and if you're really concerned of the follow through, invite one of your friends into it. Say hey, text them. Say hey, pastor was talking about. Um, we've decided Thursday night's our night. Just. You know, just I want you to know so it holds me accountable and just to think about it. What I would like you to do is to realize how beneficial that moment is, that time, and decide to do that every week. And start small. I'm a big practical person. And it may just be an hour. Maybe you're like, we, we we have this window of time. But just choose A moment this week that you as a family, you as your spouse, you if you're single at home to decide, hey, God, we're just going to trust you. We're going to stop the busyness. We're not going to we're not going to, you know, we're going to leave those dishes in the sink for a little bit. And we're just going to enjoy your presence intentionally. Make time to remember where your hope is. It is not in what you can produce in that hour or two hours or whatever that you're going to lay down for the Lord. If you took that back and filled it with busyness is not going to help you at all. I know your brain's like, but I need. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.